today on It's Time. When he came down, what were they worshiping? A golden calf. The very thing that God proved that he had power over, they had forgotten and began to go and worship the gods of Egypt. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. we're going through the book of Exodus, line upon line, precept upon precept, the way that Isaiah says we are to study God's weird. We are not instructed by God to go hopscotching through the Bible to prove a point. The Bible says that we go line upon line, precept upon precept. What does that mean? That means you don't get anything out of context. You get the entirety of God's word, Not just my favorite topics, not just my favorite subjects. You get the entire balanced Word of God, and you're going to be a healthy person. You know, if you only ate what you liked, like ice cream and cotton candy, hey, you know what? We'd start looking like ice cream and cotton candy, wouldn't we? Because we need a balanced meal. We need a balanced meal concerning our physical, but even more so in our spiritual This is why the cults flourish across the world today is because the lack of teaching of the entirety of God's word. Jesus even said it best when he said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, again, this is when he was tempted by the devil. Do you think you're ever tempted by the devil? I think we are. But I think if we only know just parts of the Bible, we're not going to be balanced. And I have found something else. When you know the entirety of God's Word, it balances what we believe. And so not just taking what I like, but taking all of it. I have found in doing so, I have had to change my life. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, Sometimes I don't think sin is all that bad. Maybe I don't think certain things are all that wrong. When I read the entirety of God's word, it brings me back to the balance that we need. Again, all the way through the Bible, spiritual ignorance is rampant. In Exodus chapter 5, Moses goes to Pharaoh. Let my people go. And you know what Pharaoh said? Who is this God that I should let your people go? Who is this God? Okay, then. You're going to get to find out. And so we have been looking at a series of judgments coming upon the land of Egypt because Pharaoh is hardening his heart. The more miracles that God did at the hand of Moses, the harder Pharaoh's heart got. Now, it's interesting to me, the more miracles that Jesus did, the harder the Pharisees' hearts got. 
Now, is God the one that is causing the hardness of heart? Well, in a way, in that he is providing the miracle in which Pharaoh reacts to it adversely. We're going to find that this morning as we uh, do our study here in chapter 9 of Exodus. So as we look at this, who is God? I don't know who he is that I should let your people go. God says, I'm going to show you. You know, the Bible says it's an it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Let's pray. Fathers, we go to your word today. We ask you that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Give us that insight that comes from you. And Lord, may you use these words to reside in our heart that we would not sin against you. That we would realize that you are a God of miracles and that you can do great and awesome things in In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the first seven verses here will be a little bit of a review for us, but it's important that we understand this because there have been people that try to cite the Bible as full of contradictions. I've always heard that. Well, you can't trust the Bible. There's too many contradictions. Oh, really? What do you mean by that? Well, by not reading the Bible carefully, you could come to that conclusion. In that, when we read today that God brought a judgment as we studied a little bit last week, upon the cattle of Egypt. And all the cattle that belonged to the Egyptians died. Well, then in a few more verses, we're going to find where God brings another judgment and it fell on the livestock of the land of Egypt. Ah, a contradiction. They all died in the first part of chapter 9 and now these judgments are coming upon the rest. Well, if you read carefully, it says, and none of the plagues came upon the children of Israel's livestock. I think that's interesting. So when... Pharaoh sent to find out if these things were so. Did any of Israel's livestock die? They found they did not. So evidently, he probably seized them, took them away from the children of Israel to keep their machine running, took them away, and thus we find the plagues falling. As we read, Then the Lord said to Moses, chapter 9, verse 1, Go into Pharaoh... And tell him, thus saith the Lord God of heavens, let my people go that they may serve me. This is the same message that he started with back at the very first. By the way, I think it's interesting here. There's always an excuse to not do what God wants you to do. Have you ever noticed that? I have found that I can be quite creative in coming up with excuses. Just like your children. Why did you do that? Because my brother made me do that. Or in Flip Wilson theology, for some of you that are older, who remember who he was, the devil made me do it. Now, I always think it's interesting that we can come up with an excuse not to do what God wants us to do. In other words, there's a special exclusion for me because I'm special. Really? Well, think about it for a minute. What happened right on his way to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. It is one of the most brutal marital fights in the Bible. One of the bloodiest marital fights in the Bible. Moses and Zephorah get into it over circumcision. Here he was going to go 
tell the king of the world at that time, Pharaoh, let my people go. But he would not stand up to his pagan wife, Zephorah, over circumcision because evidently he was scared it would end up in a marital fight. He was right. It did. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says God sought to kill him on his way to Pharaoh. Why would God commission him to go to Pharaoh and yet kill him in the way? Because he wouldn't do what God initially told him to do, circumcise his sons. In other words, you're going to stand before the king of the world and you're too chicken and scared to stand up to your spouse over things concerning God. Wow, that was pretty weird. And so we find this giant marital fight. Zephorah circumcises her sons. The Bible says she throws the foreskins at him. Splat, splat. And screams, you're a bloody husband to me. He goes, okay, now I'll go talk to Pharaoh. Oh, really? You might think about that one for just a second. Because again, wouldn't that be a good excuse not to do what God wants you to do? I mean, Moses, God, I I just had this big fight at home. I I can't do anything right now. I, I think the best thing I can do is just, you know, find a palm tree someplace, get one of those cups with a little umbrella on it, and just sit under the tree. God says, no. There's always an excuse not to do what God wants you to do. And some seem to be actually fairly valid. But in God's book... They're not. He says, go tell Pharaoh. He goes to Pharaoh with now here at the fifth plague with the same message as it was before. Let my people go that they may serve me. By the way, that's why God took the children of Israel out of Egypt. You see, they were serving Pharaoh. Pharaoh had made them slaves. And by the way, everyone, everybody serves somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but everybody serves somebody. When the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were serving Pharaoh. God's desire is that they would serve him. Thus we find that they would serve me. Verse (coughs) 2. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on your horses, on your donkeys, on your camels, on your oxen, on your sheep, and there will be a very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. By the way, it's interesting. Tomorrow the Lord will do this. It wasn't one of these days it's going to happen. He said, tomorrow it's going to happen. Now, if you been following along with this very much as we've been in this book of Exodus, you're going to see that the hits just keep on coming. 
What, what do I mean by that? Well, it, it would be one plague, and then it just, days later, another plague. Days later, another. It, this wasn't over a period of 10, 15 years. Very clearly, the Bible indicates that it is a rapid succession of judgments. Now, when you look in the Bible, and especially at the judgment of God in the last days in the book of Revelation, the judgments that come upon the world are in relatively rapid succession. You find the seal judgments, you find the the trumpet judgments, and then you find the bowl judgments, all this transpiring over a seven-year period of time. But you have at least uh, 19 events, 19 to 20 events, because sometimes the last seal would open up the bowl judgments. So uh, that was an, actually a judgment in itself, other than it opened up another thing. But you figure you got 20, about around 20 events over a period of seven years. So that means every few months, a new crazy thing is happening on this earth. Well, that's the way it was in Egypt. Every few days, there was a new crazy judgment falling upon the land of Egypt. Now, again, remember, Pharaoh is a picture type of Satan in the Bible. Egypt is a picture type of the old lifestyle being in slavery to Pharaoh. We become born again. We come through the Red Sea, a type of baptism. We're on our way to the promised land. We find that God deals with all of us in that little bit of a wilderness experience that we have. You know, I know a lot of people when they get saved. I remember a brother in the Lord. He went on to be a pastor, but he... I remember I I asked him, I said, well, you accepted the Lord. He goes, yes, I did. And I said, do you know what you did? And he goes, not completely. And I said, you will. And as the days progressed, as the weeks progressed, as the months progressed, that person became more and more refined in who they were. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says our relationship with God is a walk. It's not a run. It's not a jog. And I found sometimes in the best of my abilities, even in living every day, I will fall down. I will trip on twigs, sticks. I have fallen in the dark over stuff. I think that our pinky toe can find legs of chairs when nobody else can find anything. It's a walk. And the reason why God doesn't call it a run is because we grow in our relationship with God. And I think that's really important because a lot of times when a person gets saved, they automatically think, well, I'm going to have all knowledge, everything that God has for me. First of all, if God told you what he was going to do in your life, you wouldn't believe it anyway. You'd say, how could God ever do that? Well, God's good. The only thing God's called me and you to do is don't give up. Because the devil wants you to give up. If he can paralyze you, cause you to go into despondency, cause you to reject those promises of God that are there written for you, illustrated by other people who love God, if he can get you to do that, then what happens is he's won. He's paralyzed whatever it is God is going to do in your life in the lives of others because he has caused the discouragement to hurt your heart. I use this illustration many times, but I, 
He used it this week on the radio where the devil was having a yard sale. And on the table, he had porn, he had drugs, he had some needles, he had some kinky weird things laying on the table all there. Somebody came by and said, why are you selling all this stuff? And what about that one thing laying up against your, your, behind you there against the house? Oh, he said, oh, that's discouragement. I found if I have this tool, I don't need any of these. It is interesting that God will take, that, that, excuse me, the devil will take more people out through discouragement than oftentimes all the, so to speak, sins that we think are so popular in the world today. Because again, when you're discouraged, when you're downtrodden, then you're not looking up at a risen king. And so he says here, there will be a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So the Lord appointed a set time saying tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did the thing on the next day. All the livestock of Egypt died, but the livestock of the children of Israel did not, not die, did not die. And the Pharaoh sent, and indeed not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourself handful of ashes from the furnace. Soot. Okay? That's what it is, basically, from the furnaces. The soot that's left over that black, probably black gray stuff. He says, you grab handfuls of that. And he said, And let Moses scatter it towards the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become like fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils, will break out on the sores of man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. The whole land of Egypt was going to go through puberty. I know, I'm sorry about that. No, there's going to be boils on everybody. Now, this is weird because now we find that the the punishments of God are moving from, well, in fact, it's, it, all of these are targeted at the gods of Egypt. Again, um, we remember the guardian of the Nile. Uh, the frogs came out, covered the land. Um, uh, there was the uh, uh, goddess of fertility uh, that... Uh, that they worship they had the which was the frog goddess they had the goddess uh, the cow like mother goddess in fact a lot of times in egyptian things you'll see the cow being worshiped now now think about this for a minute the reason why this is important uh as you remember in the last plague where the the cattle all died when the children of israel when moses went up to get the 10 commandments When he came down, what were they worshiping? A golden calf. Again, this is interesting to me because the very thing that God proved that he had power over, they had forgotten and began to go back and worship the gods of Egypt. And so it says, 
It will become like fine dust going back to the boils and it uh, it will be in the land of Egypt. It will cause boils that will break out on sores of man and beast through all the land of Egypt. And they took the ashes from the furnace, stood before Pharaoh. Moses scattered them towards heaven and they caused boils to break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on the magician and all, and all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not heed them just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now we get to the seventh plague. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning. Stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. You know, it's interesting. (laughs) The message continues to be the same. I like that about God. He continues to tell us what he wants. You know, I think a lot of times when we serve God, you know, a lot of times God may say to us, I want you to do this particular thing in your life. And we go, well, God, yes, I know that, but let me do this over here instead. God says, no, I want you to do this here. And we go, but God, I don't want to do that. You know, it might be break up with a worldly girlfriend or a boyfriend. It might be to move someplace else. It may be to do something else. And we will offer all kinds of other things to God rather than what God has said to us. The Lord said, Let my people go that they may serve me. Verse 14. For at this time I will send my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that they may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Again, going back to chapter 5, Pharaoh saying, who is the Lord that I would let his people go? God says, okay, I'll show you. I, I, a lot of times think it's just a lot better just to take God at his word. However, sometimes they don't. Now, if I stretch my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show you my power in you, that my name may be declared in all the earth. As yet you exalt yourself against my people in that you will not let them go. He's saying, I'm going to do these things to show you, Pharaoh, who's really boss here. For some dumb reason, you don't get it. You know, getting in an arm wrestling match with God, you're always going to lose. You know why? He's got a lot bigger arms than I do. So it's better just to say, okay, Lord, I will do that. Now, first of all, I want to point something out here. Isn't it interesting that God selected Pharaoh to show him this kind of power? You know, I I really look at that because I would feel kind of special if God took great interest in me to show me all these things. I would begin to say, well, wow, God, that's pretty amazing. You know, there was somebody else in the Bible like that as well. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, the first real king of the organized world, the Babylonian Empire. He was the one who God showed amazing signs and wonders to as well. And yet, in all that God did, 
He didn't respond either till the very end when he lost his mind. For, for several seasons, the Bible says, he came to his sentences, and I expect to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. So the very miracles that God will show one person that will cause them to repent, God will show another person, and their heart will get harder. It's a weird thing about the nature of man. Behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause a very heavy hail to rain down, such has not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all you have in the field, for the hail will come down on every man, every beast that is found in the field, and it is not brought home, they will die. This hailstorm is going to be so bad, if you don't get inside the building, you will die. Have you ever heard about, uh, you know, those hailstones they measure sometimes? And, and it's really weird. They, they have their graphometer, I guess. I don't know what it is about hails. But they use a, a piece of material about, about two foot by two foot. And what it looks like is foam board about uh, a couple inches thick, covered with tin foil. People use it for insulation. And they actually lay it out. And when the hailstones come and they smack this foam board, it leaves the imprint. And they actually have an actual record since the hail melts. Uh, they actually have a record on how large the hail was. They've recorded hail as big as uh, uh, baseball, softballs. I mean, when you have rocks falling out of the sky that big around. Now, when you get into Revelation, the Bible says that the hailstones are going to be upwards above 50 pounds. Now, you think everybody's going green with their solar panels? Let me tell you, when you have rocks falling out of the sky the size of bowling balls, (laughs) solar panels, we're going to have a real energy crisis, aren't we? I thought it was interesting because I'd say, well, we need to build more solar panels. We need to build... And I'm going, boy, you don't read Revelation because you guys are going to be in the dark because the hailstones that fall upon the earth are going to be of magnetismal proportion. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.